Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of the LCLC podcast. In this episode, I talk with Ryan Angley, Assistant Professor of Media Studies at Pomona College, and one half, the other half being Todd McGowan, of the team behind the very popular Why Theory podcast. Together, Ryan and I review the nuts and bolts of how to begin to begin conferencing. Everything from how to draft the initial submission documents to advice on how to navigate the various social functions that typically occur during and after the conference. Due to the long and wide-ranging nature of our conversation, I need to make some cuts and I'd like to provide a little bit of context as a result. First, you will hear Ryan speaking of the hermeneutics of suspicion. It's a well-known term now used as a kind of shorthand to identify when we see theory operating in a mode we call critique of revealing how the object of study and the mode of study itself is all implicated in aspects of our ruling ideology. Ryan and I then try to argue that good conference going goes beyond the hermeneutics of suspicion into something we start to call the hermeneutics of discovery. And finally, you will hear Ryan allude to an excise exchange where he spoke of his good fortune of meeting his colleague at Pomona, Jennifer Friedlander, at a conference prior to his securing the job. It's an example of some of the surprising rewards that can indeed come from active conference going. So with those preliminaries out of the way, let's dive right in. I think you will agree that this is a very useful and informative episode of the LCLC podcast. Conferences are, 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 are hard. I want to almost say even uniquely hard in this because um, you can go to, you know, they don't even have to be very specifically tailored conferences, but you can go to a conference and it feels like you are going to a summer camp where everybody already knows each other and you and and you you are the you're the odd person out uh i mean even i was talking to a friend of mine who went to um nemla uh the northeastern um mla uh conference uh for the first time and he went to a couple different panels on a um he's a a, a history um phd and he uh he lived in germany for a while he studies german like history and um culture and literature and there was it was a talk on a German author. I'm forgetting who it was. And he was like really excited. There were two panels on it. And he went and he felt like it was four people hanging out and with people in the audience who were also hang- like they all it was very, very clicky and very gatekeepy. So this is a thing about conferences sometimes that I think is is quite hard is that the knowledge seems kind of like gate kept. Like if you look at that, um, if you look the for one, how do you find out about conferences? Uh, there's that UPenn list. And, that's, right. and it's it is the it's and it is the grossest web page on, on in, in terms of like there there's no it's just links. It's just blue hyperlinks and text. And it's 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 uh, a little I don't know, like it's not intentional because it's just been like that way since it feels like Internet 1.0. But but it, it, it's 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 almost like a little intimidating. Like you, if you don't know how to use it and how to look at it, then. Uh, that's it's off-putting and it's for this reason actually a couple of former um uri students uh who i had the pleasure of of knowing uh, briefly uh mike becker and derek i am i think or uh were were their were their names they created this alternative i don't know if you ever have you ever seen this cfplist.com i think no it's really i i you could put it in the notes for this i'll send you the link it's um it takes from the upenn list 
but it visualizes it so you can see where the conferences are, like on a map, like on a global map. And even just that is helpful uh, to, to like, you, you know, if you have no idea where you want a conference or how to conference, maybe one of the things that, to do is just to think like, well, what's in my backyard? What's coming near me? How, how, how far do I have to go? And, and, and that was sort of their idea uh, is to make, make something a little bit more approachable, a little bit more user-friendly. So that like in the world of how to begin to begin, how do you even find this stuff? How do you even find that there are academic conferences and panels? And I think the, the UPenn list is, of course, that's the big resource, but all the things are mixed in also with like calls for chapters and, 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 and submissions to edited collections and, and things like that. Like that's all kind of mixed in. And then, as I said, uh, two folks that I knew from University of Rhode Island started this thing that I think uh, it got it's managed by other people now or, or like a educational company or something like that. But it's still it's still a, a very, very good resource. So you can see where conferences are, are happening, what the lists are, what, what people are looking for uh, for panels. And, and so that as just a very, very basic thing. Um, I, I think is, is like a as like a step you have to go you have to go go beyond so so that that's the first thing I don't know if you want want to respond to that before we get to uh, the the next part which is what's an appropriate uh, panel or conference for, for you which I think is a very very big question I appreciate uh, learning about that uh, additional resource beyond the pen call for papers I I um, am a little astounded, really, that the pen call for papers still seems to be the um, the apex predator of it's crazy. the game. Isn't it? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't know in what other, I don't know in what other industry could, could something that, like, I don't know. I don't want to say. I mean, I don't know who manages it, so I'm not, I'm not trying to slag anybody off. Like, there are probably very good structural reasons why that site can't look any different than the way that it is. I I don't I don't know what it is, but it it's it's um, it has the unintended consequence where I think for new for new new people in in the field, like it's it's just like you have to you have to teach yourself how to read it because it doesn't look like anything else that you come across on the internet the closest thing is reddit but even reddit looks you know there's pictures and it's it, it looks it looks uh different uh, right. uh now yeah right it's it's one step up from a shelf mark um, yeah <laughs> in terms of making sense you know if you've used a as a shakespearean here if you've used rare book uh facilities uh very you know very often you're still dealing with shelf marks and things like that and uh, the pen CFP is not that far behind and you're right that navigating it um, is a challenge and uh, and certainly people new to the to the this intellectual environment would do well to basically click through the whole thing really I get agree. a sense yeah I agree it's also and this would be um, I think something that's that's this is good about the the pen website is that it it does on the left hand panel it is listed by like sort of broad topics so you have like film media studies romance languages like all these different things and you click on it and I think it's if if you already have a sense so um, of like if you I would say if you're a senior in undergrad and then in graduate school you probably start to have a sense about what your uh, area is and what you're specializing in at least 
broadly, I would say, like if you're younger in the, those trajectories, um, it's really good to just look through on the website in your area. It gives you a sense of like what people are talking about. Like actually, like this morning, I I, I saw something I, I'd never seen before in media studies that I, I guess there was a book in uh, 2020 that 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 decided to take television commercials seriously, which is something that I uh, also am, am trying to do in um, in a manuscript. And I didn't know about this book. Um, and it, so I was really, really happy to learn about it. Um, I'm, uh, I don't know this person, so let's just give a plug for no reason. Uh, Consuming Images, Film Art, and uh, the American Television Commercial uh, is, uh, is the book. Um, and then I think it maybe has a different title. Uh, I saw like the international or maybe this was the panel. It was like the international television commercial. Anyway, um, I think commercials are really interesting. It's in, in my field. It's they're um, they're often not taken seriously uh, for a lot of different reasons, because it is like purely capitalistic. Um, and a lot of uh, th there's a lot of work in just as a brief aside, a lot of work in television studies to like try to separate the narrative content of TV from the com from the uh, com uh, commercial packaging, because there's this idea that it like it hurts it as looking at it as an artistic endeavor. And I'm happy to see that there are people who are sort of pushing back against it that like uh, the like there, there is some there is something that happens in the commercial that is worth taking seriously and not just from the perspective of uh, manipulation. My take on it, just very briefly in a sentence, I think that television commercials do world building better than most TV shows. So like you probably like I, I don't want to have this conversation exactly right now, but I bet you can think of five Geico commercials right now with like different gimmicks. And and that is is there's something uh, constitutive of the idea of world building there. So which is something that TV does as a narrative form anyway. So I just looked through that this morning and I saw this 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 like this this scholar and 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 the people taking seriously something that like I uh, I hadn't seen that much recent energy toward. So that's a good re so that's a that's a that's a good thing about that list is that it does um it does uh, collate all of those different things so you can see what people are, are doing like outside of maybe the top journals in the field you know so like what what are what are what are people into so that's a i think that's a very good um way to use the 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 the, the upenn site and even the cfp list as well beyond just finding a conference for yourself so i so i think like what are the what are the questions people are asking what are what are the what are the themes that the the folks seem to be interested in and that is uh, a, a good way not just to position your own research as a graduate student, um, but also to like just to think like, do you have something that speaks to what the field is into right now? And this is a pretty big conferences like are 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 fun, especially now because like it, it is after you know and and with lockdown, the pandemic, and like Zoom conferencing, and 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 like so much academic work can feel like you are just. I don't know, shouting into a void. You don't know who else is there, who else is thinking these things with you. And so conferences can be like really, I think, affirming in that way. Like you get in, in, into like a, you know, a four day intellectual atmosphere, like in your head and like that, that is like so super valuable, valuable. Um, and, but on the other side, you have to be smart about how you use your time. And so I, I, I'm a, an evangelist for the idea that you shouldn't, you shouldn't do a, a, a conference uh, or a panel that is too divorced from what you your project is. 
it it has to ha it has to be related in some way, uh, or else you are um, you're giving you're giving your your time away, and it'll 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 hurt somewhere. Like because it, it's again, as I said, the person the person who I knew had had admitted that they had that they had done conferencing to the point that it extended their like stay in graduate school for like uh, like maybe a year, maybe two. And if it if you're funded, that's fine. If you're not funded or you have to like scrap for funding, that's less fine. I mean, it's not it's not good money uh, anyway. Um, but uh, but yeah, so there's a lot a lot of different things. So I I, I think uh, to sum up last couple minutes, uh, really important to use these CFP lists to get a sense of what your your field is uh, is doing. Uh, what are the conversations people are having? What are sort of what are the dominant ideas? What are some of the fringe ideas? Uh, where does where are you positioned within that? And then, uh, you know, to try to do things that are like in a very basic sense, if you've already written a uh, a seminar paper on something, that's probably a good idea to to adapt that if that has something to do with your larger project. Pretty good idea to adapt that to um, a conference. It's a different genre, which we're going get, to get on to talk about, I know. But those things are important to, to sort of keep in line is, is uh, to, to make sure that you're, um, you're building a story of yourself, I would say. Like, like everything has to fit in the when you go on the job market. One of the thing the questions you get asked is like, like, how do your you know, how do your publications, your teaching, your uh, your conferences, you know, your you know your different things like how do they fit as like a program? And it's it's a lot of pressure to put on your to put on yourself as a young scholar, but like just to have an eye toward that, like uh, uh, to like how what 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 is the development of of your of your trajectory that makes the, the the narrative of you as a scholar and things should should fit. You know, uh, it, if it it. it it, it, it shouldn't be, um, I don't know, I'm trying, trying to think of it. Again, if you're a Shakespeare scholar, but like like me, I also love sports. And then if I did like a kinesiology like conference, like that doesn't really fit from going up for jobs for um, for Shakespeare and that, but it's on my CV and it's like, it, it starts to look like someone is unfocused. And as I said, it's a gatekeepy and hard field to, to get into like professionally. So like being able to tell a coherent story of yourself, like through your work is uh, paramount. Right. I think that's all good advice. And I would encourage uh, people that are beginning to mull over the idea of submitting to my conference, the LCLC, that they can visit the LouisvilleConference.com and look at our 2022 program. You can go online and I haven't taken it down and get a sense of uh, what what the conversations are that are going on here uh, at the LCLC. And if you see an opportunity to jump in, that's great. Uh, I often, when we when I am in the position of mentoring, mention that there are, generally speaking, there are two different ways one gets going in this academic business of, uh, when it comes to publishing, and that is you're either looking to correct somebody, fill a gap in mm -hmm. the conversation that 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 uh, you notice, like, hey, there's a hole here, I'm going to fill it, or 
you try to start a new conversation. And trying to start a new conversation, particularly at the level of publishing, is usually the kind of advice that somebody will say, that's your second book after, or your third book. That's after you get tenure. <laughs> Only then do you try to go out and go, excuse me, but I think we should all gather around over here and talk about what I want to talk about, which sure. nobody else is really doing right now. That generally hooking your conversation to a pre-existing conversation is the best way to break into the field. Um, but that if you see, uh, but the stakes are lower in the, uh, in the conferencing game. Mm -hmm. And I am, uh, as the ideal reader here for you, uh, we do, we do, I do practice blind submission and I, and that's something that we should talk about, sure. but I am receptive to, uh, to new voices wanting to start a conversation, particularly if in your, um, right, there are two parts to it. You have your abstract and then you have mm -hmm. your cover letter to it. If you say, you know, I notice that there's all this con, there's there's these conversations going on at your conference, but nobody's talking about this. Mm -hmm. You should, and I'd like to, and actually, I got some people here going to be doing it with me. Then, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that makes my day. That's awesome, uh, and and I think that's you are an ideal reader for that. And 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 the in, you're right in the publishing sense. Uh, it can often work in this sort of Hegelian way where the best thing about the thing you're doing is the worst thing about it, and the worst thing about it is the best thing about it. If you're trying to start a new conversation, that is the best thing about it, but it's also the worst thing because it's like, to a publisher, like, I don't know what the market is, like, I don't know how people are going to receive, They're all it's all this unknowns that, that work against you. But I think those things, that aspect is muted pretty, pretty much in a conference setting because... Yeah. You know, so I think that's so conferences in general are really good sites for for the new ideas, for the new takes, uh, as well as for the corrections and the uh, the the scholarly gap, uh, um, you know, uh, proposals, which, um, you know, there's, of course, there's, of course, overlap with the new idea between between those two other genres. But um, that's uh, I think that's that's awesome. And it is good. Like so now. So so that. So I think the we could park the uh, the the first part of this conversation to be about conferencing in general. And I think uh, definitely the the move to like what you're trying to accomplish at the Louisville conference, uh, con what you are trying to accomplish at the Louisville conference specifically, um, is uh, where where we where we should uh, now turn for the next conference, uh, which would be the third week of uh, February, right, 2023. Yep. Um, what if you had a blue sky scenario, what do you want? Right. Blue sky scenario. What do you want to see that you maybe haven't seen in the last couple of years? Well, what I'd like to see is more either what I call the applied theory in our co correspondence or ideally really what I call pure theory. And that when I got to uh, the University of Louisville in 1998. And so I'm a product of the uh, Duke University graduate program, the English program. There's a literature program as well. And- And you two uh, fight, right? There's like, that's the, they do basketball games, <laughs> but just within those two, anyway. Yes. The, 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 the side story there, at least uh, as I got it from 
Stanley Fish, who was my dissertation advisor, um, is that we and we talked about it glancingly on the pod podcast that I did with him. Uh, is that he and Frederick Jameson made the decision to come together, and that uh, Fred became uh, his Ballywick became the literature program, Fred being a actual professor of French literature, uh, people, if, if you had the privilege of being a student of Fred's, um, right, with a dissertation on Sartre, and so, you know, sooner or later, you're going to, the, the, all roads for Fred lead <laughs> through Sartre. At some point, you're coming back to Sartre. And, um, you know, that, and so people, so it was, it's the right fit for him to take on the literature program. And it was the right fit for Fish to take on the English program. And people may not, this is one thing that I'd say to our younger, my ideal listeners out there is that there were moments when this profession was in an expansion phase. And you can Mm -hmm. say, that will never happen again. And and that may be the case. It may never happen again. But don't tell me it never happened because it did. And I experienced it. Duke University realized that they could ride to the top of U.S. News and World Reports and become the Harvard of the South, mm-hmm. largely through uh, stealing people like Fish and Jameson and becoming uh, a, a renowned institution uh, in the humanities. And, and so this, this essentially allowed Duke University, in other words, Jameson and Fish worked together to in effect double the, the size of people doing the kind of work we're talking about in the mm. mid in the mid 80s and there was a sense of that phase maybe coming to the end by the mid 90s and certainly the sort of dot com bomb of the turn of the millennium marks a certain sort of end of that expansionist phase where you know your field of media studies and where media studies is really coming of age and is symbiotically joined at the hip in madman style, really, with being the argot of Madison Avenue and Saatchi. And, you know, like it's being taken really seriously as the you got to know this stuff. You have to be able to talk intelligently about Mm -hmm. deconstruction to get that Coca-Cola account. And, (laughs) you know, people don't remember this, but I do. I was, you know, I I watched um, you know, I, I read those kinds of magazines uh, at the time. It was weird. Uh, it was a weird time, but there was that time. And, in you know, that- I just I just interject to say, like, yeah. this is a con- I should come back on the to, to have this conversation. But I think that it's interesting you brought that brought the these two things up. Part of the the rise in, in media studies, I think, is we're getting students who in an earlier era would have done English or literature the way that Duke defines it. Uh, and and I that that is uh, I mean, here, because of the proximity to Hollywood, we got a lot of people who want to work in Hollywood, like industry stuff. But our, our program is well, sorry, 
uh, it's not to get into to, to the weeds, but it's a five college consortium thing here. When you when you go to any right. one of Pomona, Pitzer, Claremont, McKenna, Harvey Mudd, or uh, or Scripps, so in each college has a different kind of twist on media studies. Ours is more theoretical here, but I, I just it is one of those things where like I I have students in class who I who I know I'm like ten years ago uh, or maybe. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, 10 years ago, you'd have done literature studies. Like, I just, I, I just, right. I know it. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 So uh, I'd, I'd love to see more papers that, uh, that seek to rekindle and push forward the, those, that earlier sort of spirit, really, mm -hmm. of um, evangelizing to a certain degree about theory, its continued, utility and relevance mm -hmm. uh, in our current moment. If the podcast is working and somebody out there is saying to themselves, you know what, I think I'm going to get that cover letter and that summary together and go ahead and submit. And remember, you can always say no, you know, <laughs> you can always say no, <laughs> go ahead and submit. You can always say no later, go through at least the experience of putting together the cover letter and the submission and sending it out there, and you will be confronted with the need to produce those two documents and to figure out what goes in the letter and what goes in the summary and that to work and how they're going to work together and how they're going to work to illustrate briefly. That's the key thing because these are mm -hmm. one page documents here, if you're doing it right. Uh, that illustrates how your intervention is going to do what it is Ryan is talking about, which is, uh, if, if we stick with your language, the uh, deploying the hermeneutics of suspicion effectively enough to, to question so that we don't go into confirmation bias here to, uh, not to arrive at the, uh, at the end point that, that, that you always saw, but to, to genuinely push the conversation into new ground that is genuinely new for you and for the conversation itself, for thought itself, ideally, if you're ambitious. Um, and that that is the point of the session. The point of the session is for people to get together and realize that on this topic, we are at, I think we're at this point in this conversation, where can we push on mm -hmm. from here? And and let's make uh, February in 2023 at Louisville for these people who really care about this conversation, an opportunity to see where we can push these hermeneutics to discover a little bit more uh, on the the rubric that we're exploring. Matthew, I like that. In fact, I, I even I like that so much. Because Her, I, I, it is hermeneutics of suspicion is a hermeneutics of discovery. Right. I think I think absolutely. I think I would. I think a hundred percent. So I I think that that and I think that's the that's the ideal. That's kind of the ideal conference uh, paper. Now you're you can do you can do it like. Do you want maybe maybe you want to uh, take on like you know really, really really big issues or you want to take on like smaller issues that are big in like a specific field like either way like i think it's it's still hermeneutics of discovery is the 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 way to approach it um now for the for the for the brass tacks 
uh, uh, thing. If you've never written an abstract before, you want 300 to 500 words. That's like, right. that's, that is standard stuff. You also, you want to do, in fact, I, can I give like a four, like, oh, actually I want to, I want to, please do. I'm going to give you like a four sentence model. Okay. Do it. To, to start with one first sentence has to, in some way it has to, uh, it has to name the field of the, or discipline. Uh, it's some in, so, uh, if you're if you're if you're let's say let's go with let's go through the those three different models you laid out earlier the correction paper the gap paper or the new direction paper so right. if if you are if this is the kind of uh the methodology that you're going to be employing your that first sentence has to mention the person that you're correcting the field in which there is a gap or the last thing the field which th there's some sort of dominant belief that you wish to uh, step away and, and push away from got to be in the first sentence second sentence um, has to include your like how it is that you're going to do this what sort of methodologies theories philosophers uh, that you're going to be employing to to do this okay how are you how like like what are you relying on to make this jump okay the third thing, I think this is the uh, the uh, sort of the, the the showstopper. This is where you should start to either build toward your your argument uh, or even just outright state it. So, like uh, to to be even more concrete about this, I'm so I'm doing this off the top of my head. So I apologize if this is messy, but let's let's just go with the um, the correction uh, thing, just the first one. Uh, scholars in X field. Scholars in X field have often emphasized blank, period. Uh, recently, comma, uh, there is an urgent need to look at blank, and this should be a parallel and obverse of that first sentence. In this talk, comma, uh, using theorist philosophy, period, I will be arguing blank, period. Fourth sentence, by looking at blank in the previous sentence, we get a different, uh, a, a new, uh, challenging, whatever, some some des describing word, uh, sense of the field than we have otherwise thought it, period. That's your four sentence basic model. You don't have to do it exactly as I, I mean, probably everybody shouldn't, but just as a as a way to uh, to start to, to, to think about that, it's, uh, it's it's crucial to try to to try to get get the idea into into a, a format that's kind of like that, and then you can make it expressive from that. But as long but if you can do that Mad Libs version that I just sort of came up with, then then you, then that's that's good. A lot of a lot of mistakes people often make in in abstracts is that they start way too wide of what they're eventually going to end up talking about, or or it's too it's way too big. I always use this example in class. I one time as a professor, I had a student the first sentence of their paper was something like uh since the dawn of time humankind has looked up into the stars and wondered and i was just like this paper is about how you think jay-z is an illuminati like why are we starting there and also like they're just that's just much too big like what i don't know there's a lot there's a lot about that that's much too big so don't don't start too big even though in american schooling that's like the upside down triangle is sort of the the model that that most people get for for something but 
to be as concrete and 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 clear and to like to start within the field and discipline that that you're going to talk about and not just like intellection broadly like that's a very good thing like like it's not you know when when you open up when you look at any academic journal like nobody like if you open if you were going to look at the pages of PMLA uh, nobody in the first sentence is justifying that they're talking about literature. It's just like, that's just what's happening. Like, that's just what the journal is about in the same way that like, whatever you're, you, you know, you want to start closer to the mark that you're going to get to in the conference talk, because it's not, uh, weird that you are like distilling, like <laughs> you're distilling a, 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 an entire conversation about all fields to just this one point. So like starting with that, like, you know, again, scholars, in blank have often noted this okay and you're departing from that for these reasons what is it that we get by seeing things in a different way okay well, like what what is what is what is additive what 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 why, why is it and i think this is the most important thing is why is it why is it urgent you know and 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 not just what and i i think not just why can we do this i would say why must we right and 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 i think that's uh um Sometimes I I know I know my students at least they they don't like uh, I think because of uh, I largely uh, uh, think that it's a it's a Twitter type thing is that like the idea that the, like it's a lot more comfortable to say that you can see something in a certain way on Twitter than it is to say that you must because it's like well what about this other thing and it's like you, you don't write these things like someone's gonna bite your head off. Because you said we we must see things in a certain way and you forgot, you know, to mention all kinds of other stuff. It's a very short document. Like I said, 300 to 500 words. You should try to get the most important things in like those four sentences and that like kind of outline that I gave um, because it, you know, it shows that it shows that, um, that it shows that you are clear and you're thinking and you, you, you know, you know, you know, uh, if, even if you don't know. Because most people, what's the, what's the, I don't know if this is a dirty secret about the, uh, the abstract, but like, uh, academics write the talk on the plane, right. To the conference. That's a, that's like a common thing. Like you, you don't, you don't necessarily write the abstract from something you already have written. You don't have to have it written. It's more of a promise. Uh, but if you could get it, if you can get it clear, it's, it's clearly written and you can get it in something close to that format that I described about, you know, four minutes ago. Uh, then it shows that like you can produce the paper and you can produce something that is engaging and 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 it and people uh, you know regardless of what field they come from or whatever or their their uh, you know uh, academic background is they're going to get something out of your talk. Right, and so we've we've arrived at assuming the the first reality that we've arrived at is that for the graduate student. Um, or the uh, unaffiliated, yeah, or yeah, yeah. Um, that, yeah, you you may have that um, seminar paper you wrote. You, you may even have a, a a I don't know how long the chapters are these days for the dissertation, but it's best to open up a new document. Yes. And then go back and think about that paper and then just produce this really tight revision promissory note. And 
Yes. When you get that acceptance, and hopefully you do, um, at that point, I would encourage you to, uh, again, to to recognize that we're looking at a 20-minute talk and nobody, it's like, it's like Samuel Johnson on Paradise Lost. Nobody wished it any longer. That <laughs> generally speaking, pretty you know, if you come in closer to fifteen minutes than twenty, yes. nobody's going to be mad at you because it's more time for them to talk and ask questions. And we are, in, as, as to a certain extent, an egotistical bunch. So, <laughs> as best you can, say to yourself, "All right, I'm going to produce like a double-spaced eight-page." text that I, and I may depart a little bit from it when I, when I, if I'm casual and, and give it your best shot to, to write it, uh, clean, write it new. Mm -hmm. You're, you're a better, sharper thinker than you were when you wrote that paper last, last fall or whenever it was. And then, yeah, you can go back and go, you know, I think I, I'm going to import this little bit here or that, or that bit or, you know, you take your quotations over. That's mm. fine. But really, I think it works better when you recognize um, the opportunity that you have to do it fresh and mm -hmm. do it as uh, the script for a a paper that you're going to deliver, whether it's virtual or in person, you know, you're going to deliver it. It's a different experience than the 20 or 30 page paper mm -hmm. you're uploading on canvas that I'm going to read. And, uh, and so you should take advantage of that to produce a good document for the occasion. Absolutely. I, I, I cannot stress enough. I, th this is, this is not a, uh, um, it's not a point that I want that I want to like move past. Like w some of the, um, I'm not naming and shaming. I, I've done this to this thing that I'm about to say. So it's not, uh, if when I, when I hear someone an announce at the start of their talk, that this talk comes from a longer chapter, I know that it's not going to be a very good talk. Because it, they're two different genres. It's not that the ideas are, I know the ideas are going to be bad or the person's like suddenly stupid or whatever. That's that's not it at all. But it's just what it takes for something to be an engaging talk is very different from it takes for something to be a successful chapter, either in a book, a dissertation, or even even an, an article. Like And and so to, to, to again, to, to keep doing like the, the brass tax thing, you said, you said eight pages. I'm going to say seven because it's two, two minutes per page. Uh, and you, if you've never done a, a, an academic talk before, like you will read it faster than you think because you'll be nervous. So, but you want to try to not do that. You also want to, I, I would highly encourage, um, saying in a sentence, what your talk is going to do at the start, like uh, separate from the talk, like, um, this talk is going to, uh, 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 discuss uh, the political forms in the uh, nonfiction work of uh, Virginia Woolf. And we're going to be lo uh, looking at how she saw the problems of democracy from uh, th th this period of this earlier writing to this period of later one, uh, 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 the, the, this like interwar period. Or whatever. Okay, you say that two sentences, 
everybody because it's like and i know it's not just me uh, um it's hard to pay total complete attention to a talk for the full 15 minutes like consecutively and you're that and the idea that you're mind as an audience won't drift at some point it's just like i think that's impossible like of course it's going to drift and then you're going to be like oh i didn't listen to the last minute and i got to come back but if you say at the start what your thing is and what it's doing then everyone's going to come back to it and so that's that's a uh, that's that's very very important i'm also going to say in a, in, a, in a brass tax way no more than one quotation from someone else than than one per page i'm going to say no more than one because it's hard it's easier again this is another thing that makes something different from a successful written document to a successful you know oral document is that it it's if you're quoting too much it's hard to know who's talking is this your idea is this somebody else's idea are we critiquing this idea are we endorsing this idea or is there a new edge to this idea what is it that that we're doing it, it's it's hard to to i know it's i know it's not just me uh it, it's hard to do that um uh, when when someone is just is just speaking, so so that would be the thing. I, I think you're absolutely right to say like a shorter a shorter document, err on the side of a shorter document. If it's 20, 20 minutes, uh, then you should plan for fifteen. That, that's why I said seven two minutes per page. Right. You give yourself you give yourself a an extra minute of uh, oh here's a fun here's a fun little tip. If you maybe not for the first time you do you do a, a paper, but Put in moments where you can speak extemporaneously about the thing, like to kind of step away from the the paper like a little bit. People people like that. You know, it, it's it's a it's not a I don't think it's like a magic trick, but it's something that shows that you have a grip on the thing that you're that you're talking about that you can speak extemporaneously about the thing. Um, and uh, it, the the it can be very hard uh, if you're an anxious person like me and you know you you're nervous about the questions that you might get asked. I think this is unconsciously the driving force behind long papers is so that there's no time for questions. If you get a panel full of long papers, there's absolutely no time left for questions and and discussion after. And I think it's just because you know uh, people live in fear of the death question, uh, right. which. I, which I understand, which I understand. I, I totally understand it. But it's uh, you want to try to leave space, I, I, I think. And, 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 I, and I, I think that conferences, I, especially your, your conference, like the atmosphere is um, it's a lot more generous than uh, I don't know. Sometimes you get like the, 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 un, the ungenerous person at a at a major big conference like mla you get somebody coming in with an axe to grind about a certain topic or something like that i think that's much less likely to happen at the at, at, at your conference or even at smaller uh more uh subfield specific kind of conferences so yeah right yeah i would i would say as we get into the the question of the question and answer session that first of all um, if you decide to come to the Louisville conference and uh, or you take the plunge somewhere else, mm -hmm. um, yes, you you there's a range of experiences that happen with conferencing where and it's 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 just part of the experience of being an academic if or a conference attendee if this is, your calling 
that you you may have an experience where there's one or two people in the audience and that's it. And that experience may have yeah. the cher cherry on top of a of a the door opening and a person coming in and your heart beats skips a beat and they go, um, we need more seats next door. Can I take <laughs> these chairs? Thank you. And then drag them across the hall and you go and, and you know, and I mean, I've seen this. I've yeah. I've been the person who's taken the chairs over to the room. And I go, wow, I feel sorry for these graduate students. They happen to be up against some heavy hitters and everybody mm -hmm. in standing room only in the other room. And it happens. I've given talks to no one and I've given talks to standing room. And, mm -hmm. you know, and you, you, it is what it is. Uh, I, there's no reason to sugarcoat it, but. It's not necessarily the case that the talk that you give to a few people or just the other people um, who are presenting uh, is a bad experience. It can be a good experience if it's the first time you've given a paper. I've talked to graduate students last year who were really thankful, frankly, that there weren't that many people in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, and that the questions are much more softball and much more, uh, you know, helpful mm -hmm. uh, in a low key um, session than uh, than where people feel the need, you know, to grandstand um, mm -hmm. in the session that is packed uh, in order to point out that, you know, they're really ticked off that their work wasn't cited. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. And oh man. I've, I've gotten that goes. in reader reports too, Matt, like that. You, you can never escape that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So keep that in mind. And the, you know, the question and answer session, it is what you're saying is true to the degree that, um, at the Louisville conference, the, uh, the feedback has come back to me, uh, about aggressive questioning, uh, it's very unusual these days, in my opinion, and much more common when, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, back when I was talking about mm. what the environment was like when, you know, Fish and Jameson stood like like Godzilla and King Kong in a movie, um, that, uh, that it has to do, because there's a lot of poetry and poetics at the conference, that it, things will get aggressive just over um, declarations of taste. You know mm. what I mean? Like it won't be, you, you don't, I think your reading's weak. It, it will be, <laughs> it will be, how can you even spend time writing about Poet X? No mm -hmm. one reads Poet X anymore. And Okay, well then, I you know I I think they're wrong, and I think Poet X needs to be read, and I'm here to lead the charge to resurrect Poet X, mm -hmm. and you know, and that's the other thing is is generally, and you can't always do it, and I uh, I certainly have failed in my career at times to respond to a question as a um, constructive question. <laughs> Even even if it's rather obvious that it is not, um, mm -hmm. there's really nothing to be gained from contributing to a kind of feedback loop into negativity. 
Um, and I really encourage, again, whether you come to the LCLC or not, uh, to, you know, there are other mentors. I haven't mentioned Eve Sedgwick, uh, but she was a big influence. I was fortunate to study with her. Mm. And mm -hmm. this is really an Eve Sedgwick point. Um, who cares what the spirit was that it was being offered? Accept it in a spirit that that repositions it as constructive and positive and mm. something that you can work with, um, you'll feel better mm. for having done so. That's awesome. That's really, really great advice. I, I And I also think on this, um, th it doesn't feel like I don't know is a good answer to a question, but sometimes it is. Like sometimes I don't know is an earned and academic response. And I think we generally don't think that. Like if you don't have an answer, that it means you're an idiot, you're a fraud, uh, you are an imposter. You should, you should, no one, no one should ever listen to you. You shouldn't ever be paid to do academic work or, or ever at all. And I, and that's just, that's just not how it is. Like, like I, you, you know, uh, I'm very open about this with my students on the podcast. I have a, I have a cognitive disability from. A uh, traumatic brain injury I suffered in 2007 that just continues to affect me all the time because you never stop having a traumatic brain injury. Uh, it changes how it manifests. And one of the things is that like when I'm excessively like and and so one of the things is it like it manifests, I think, in a way that people who have anxiety disorders would be familiar with, like in a high stress, high anxiety situation, I I talk really fast. I can't keep track of my, my thoughts. Like I get like, I get like, uh, I get very, very nervous. Like sometimes like I'll even like black out like a little bit. Like, and I'm just like, I don't know what I said. Like, I'm not really sure what happened. Um, and, uh, and one of these like situations that is uh, very regular for my profession is the academic conference. And, so, and the thing, it is really, really hard for me it doesn't matter whether it's a, a a generously asked question or an ungenerously. It really doesn't matter. It can be any kind of question asked after a talk. Like I will not have a good answer to that until I'm driving on the, the highway like the, two weeks later, and then I'll have the I'll have the perfect response. Um, and I I think, and I've never pra I've I've yet to practice this because I uh, I had to come to I had to come to this realization later that like I I personally think and i think other people should as well like like i think it's okay to say i don't you know i don't know the answer to that right now um especially if it's an un ungenerous question but if you want to exchange information after i can get back to you because i think there is something uh, uh that's really worth po you know pondering uh, uh about with you, the way that your question related to my talk into these issues um and then if in the amount of time it took for you to say that, you get a sense of an answer. Like my sense is that the answer would have something to do with blank and blank, but I, I don't have the I don't have the connection uh, perfect right now. But thank you, I appreciate the question. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. that's a good one. And that does kind of get us into um, right the other aspect of of conferencing, which is the networking of it that you've you've 
you figured out how to submit, you figured out how to get in, you figured out how to attend. If you need, if, if writing the director might help shake some money free for you. This is a great point. Free. Yeah, the f funding is a, is a big one because a lot of colleges do have funding to support graduate students, but a lot of colleges don't, or it's limited, or it's a, a hassle. Like I remember at University of Rhode Island, they did not like, uh, at Pomona, if you say you're going to do a thing, then you, the, the college doesn't care. They'll, they'll, you get the money for it. But at, uh, especially if you're at a, a state or a public university, like you have to have done the thing and you, before you get the money. So you get reimbursed rather than Right. You get the money to do the thing. And that's a really tricky game. I mean, like I, I, you know, as a graduate, I, I never, I never made more than $19,000 as a, a year as a graduate student, you know? So like putting conference stuff on a credit card is a, a that's a dangerous game, uh, you, you know? And, 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 but it's also, it's also part of the, is the thing, right? Like bigger conferences have more money to give to people who don't have it, but then you get into that bigger conference atmosphere and it's maybe some of the uh, the more unsavory uh, elements of conferencing that we were talking about. But yes, emailing the director to, to, to shake free money if you, if you need it, especially if you're an unaffiliated scholar or at a college that, that doesn't have money to support um, uh, conference activity from students. Right. And um yeah, at that point, we're talking about networking, about socializing. Um, we're in a very different uh, environment now uh, about those subjects. I did a podcast with um, Alan Nadal, who uh, is one of the foundational figures of your media studies, particularly American studies. As mm -hmm. Go back and listen to his podcast that, that I did with him about it. But he is very um, forthright, frankly, in the podcast that the term that they used was cruising mm -hmm. sessions and that um, there was uh, it, the, the ethos of the time uh, this is a conference that's celebrating its 50th year. So in the 70s uh, on up, it was different than it is now. And um, I think that we're a safe conference. And I think that we are, uh, myself and the other people who put it on, are attentive and receptive to make sure that uh, interactions are appropriate. Um but I'm and I, you know, I'm not sure as a, as an older statesman now what else, what other advice uh, we can be offered uh, on the on those serious topics. Yeah, it's well, you know, I think this is where, um, like, I, and I because you are, you know, you're receptive to the intellectual. Uh, uh, content of the uh, of the conference itself. I also think that like this is w one of those situations where it, if um, I don't know, I don't know if you would you feel would you feel comfortable putting this call out that like if if someone is listening listening to this, they they go they go through all the you know the heavy intellectual work of putting together the the abstract the cover letter they get in they go, uh, and they have an unsavory experience. You would probably be open to hearing from them, I imagine. Yeah. Right. Well, I do. Uh, we use Eventbrite, um, mm -hmm. and it, which is its strengths and its weaknesses. But when I 
and so I can continually, um, you know, send out missives to 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 the people that are attending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have put up on the LouisvilleConference.com under the more is an incident report form. Nice. So if you need to use it, then I encourage you to do so and we will follow it up. I'm happy to say that there were no incident report forms filed uh, last year and that I initiated the uh, it's so I can't go back beyond last year, but obviously one well, wants m- to hear that Matt, but, you know, but it's so just, just so good. Yeah, no, just to say like, you know, I don't think, you know, I, I'll just, I'll put it this way. Like I, I never, um, when I, when I was starting to, to go to conferences and stuff like that, like, um, I mean, I don't know, nobody ever told me that like something bad could happen at a conference. Like, so I just think like, like we're not, I just want to put it this way. I think we're having this conversation because to go back to our models, like I think there's a gap in the field in the field about like literally what are the brass tacks about like how do you even do the conference? What is it even like? What are the things that you should expect? And there are things that like like, like you'll uh you will some like I'm the like I I will talk about this in a second. Like I there's a there's a strong argument that I owe my career to 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 a conference. And there and there are other people might have the same kind of story. Um, and in that version, you don't get that anything bad could happen. And so I, anyway, I think it's important that we're bringing those things up because like those things do happen, but it's not, it's not a, it's not a, it's like you, it's better to have the, this kind of conversation now than to like have it on like the Chronicle after an incident happens. You know what I mean? Like right. that, that, right. that's how, that's, that's how those things happen is that like people, you know, people don't talk about it before. And if you don't talk about it before, it means that the, con- the, the organizers of the conference aren't aware that something bad could happen. And then when something bad happens, they act like it didn't happen. And then that's, again, that's how something ends up on the front page of the Chronicle and stuff like that. So I just, anyway, so I, I think right. like, I wouldn't want anyone getting to be like, man, this sounds like really scary it's like uh, like you know what it can be like it totally it can be like for like in 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 regular ways or 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 worse but like it's important to to, i think to acknowledge that and also to to but then also to say that like you know it 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 can be it can also be the time of your life but i mean you 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 don't want to give the 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 sunshine i just think that the sunshine version of anything in academia is just so false so so like right it's important to 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 go go along this path i think right yeah yeah i agree um so and then hopefully you get uh you get back and um right and if you need to bug me uh for additional documentation to get your money um you won't be the only one (laughs) and i'm fortunate that i have really good staff that 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 uh, do the record keeping on all of that. And we're, we're here to help you make sure that you get it done. And we, 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 we do, uh, we do do a uh, full refund, no questions asked um, policy. So there's, there's no, there is a, a, a early bird and then a, you know, a, a slight bump if you, if you miss that deadline, but in, in, in any case, if it's, you know, I got snowed in or whatever it is, yeah, right, um, right. we, we will refund your money. Mm, that's awesome. It maybe seems too idealistic to, for, for people to mention, but I do think that like, that is the, the best thing about an academic conferences. You're meeting somebody at the level of the things that they think. And that is like, it's, it's, 
it's that's that can be a uh, uh, that's a uh, in, again in this line of work I think that's a just it's a different way to meet people and it's it's a way that for like you know you shouldn't do it for that because then it gets up being really capitalistic and like you know you have to do it because then you'll you might get a job opportunity like like that that that's too much but it is something that could happen. You know, right. it's like, like, you know, you, you meet somebody and then there's a job at that institution. And even if you you didn't talk to that person in the intervening time, which I didn't talk to Jennifer in the intervening time, they will remember you. And that like that's that is like that is so important. Like you've already made a first impression. I will put it that way. Right. Well, as and I think we've kind of covered all our bases um, and my closing thought then on it is uh, I guess to balance your comment right there, uh, and, and to perhaps quilt this conversation that we're having into the conversation that you and Todd have been having on why theory, uh, where you've been talking about quilting point and, um, it's utility in Lacanian psychoanalysis and elsewhere. Um, that a key, uh, maybe my favorite concept from Lacan, foundational concept, it isn't quilting point. It's really the self supposed to know and understanding that for Lacan anyway, the whole point of the idea that you have an, an analysis and you have an analysand, so you have somebody going into the therapy and then you've got the therapist and that the therapist is functioning in a relay for this person utilizing the talking cure as not the self that knows, but the self that is supposed to know where we understand really that the analyst doesn't know. <laughs> the, mm -hmm. the analyst isn't here to give you the right answer. You're going to pull a better answer out of yourself right. if the therapy is doing what 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 we kind of hope it will do and that a conference i'm not reading your work and then when i i'll read it over first and make sure that you haven't uh you know that you've left your name on it or that you've dropped your institution on it or that there's a footnote thanking your instructor at the institution on it or whatever it is and then i'll figure out who among my committee uh i think is an appropriate reader for it and i will strike that stuff off and then it will get read and uh and then i'll come back and look at it and um and we'll take and, and uh it'll be a yes or a no or a maybe and the maybes usually just get taken in to fill out the panels, frankly. Um, mm -hmm. And that's the way that works. But I, I, will, I don't read, and I would encourage your, your audience not to think this way about theory. I don't read theory and say to myself, but that's obviously a wrong understanding of Lacanian psychoanalysis. Sure. Lacan sure. Would, would disagree with that. And, you know, and throw that person out onto the street and stop their session immediately. The, the point isn't, are you using the theory concepts correctly so that Fish would agree with your definition of reader response theory or, or Jameson mm -hmm. would agree with your definition of Marxist aesthetics? Mm -hmm. The question is, are you using it the way that you want to use it 
in order to propel us on to in that hermeneutics of suspicion conversation that we are having to get to something new to mm -hmm. think about that has a point to it. And if right. you are using theory in the service of, of unearthing, to use that metaphor, a new sort of plateau from which we can see some things that we weren't seeing, then I can't wait for you to come to my conference and tell us about that. And that's the only test is, you know, it, are you putting it in the service of something useful? Not, is that the right application of the word deconstruction or not right right so, so keep keep that in mind that's a, a beautiful note to end on i think that's really great matthew uh and and i i, I hope everybody takes the uh the the, sin the sincerity of the, the the message to to heart that yeah you're nobody nobody's reading nobody's reading to be a pedant uh you're people are people are reading to see is this a person that that has ideas and they want to propel a conversation forward that's the kind of person we want at the conference. I think that's great. My thanks again to Ryan Angley for his contribution to this LCLC episode. If you benefited from it or simply enjoyed listening to it, please hit like and subscribe. And as always, please consider joining us for an upcoming LCLC conference. Consult the LouisvilleConference.com for details or reach out directly to me, Matthew Biberman, for information.